Good day, good people. This is Pastor Philip Beatty of Hartford City Church in beautiful Hartford, Connecticut. Welcome to episode four of Going Deeper in James. This is our podcast series that coincides with our sermon series on Sunday mornings, going through the book of James between Easter and Pentecost. Today we will be looking at James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. A very familiar passage to most people who've been around church. And if you haven't been around church, it's a passage that I think you will also find very interesting. It really challenges us to have faith put into action. Not just what we say, but what we do. Because we know it's important that our faith is not just something we believe in our hearts, but something that gets lived out in our lives. So again, today I'm going to be reading this section from the message translation of the Bible. The message is a translation that Eugene Peterson did several years ago, attempting to go back to the original language of Greek and bring it to life in a very common and common way that people can understand what it means. The original Greek that was used to write the New Testament was the Greek of the common person. And so this is an attempt to put it back into that style of writing. I believe it will challenge us and help us to see things in a new way this morning. I encourage you, though, to go to your version of the Bible that you normally use, be it the New International Version or some other version, and compare James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20 with what I'm about to read, and it will deepen your, your understanding of God's Word. So here we go. Let me read the passage for us first as we dig in uh, to this episode together. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come up on an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved, and you say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup? Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts? is outrageous nonsense. Oh, I love the way that the message puts it right there, don't you? God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. You see, we know that. I believe everybody knows that. In fact, most people outside of the church criticize Christians and people in the church for being hypocrites. That we say one thing, we have all of this nice talk, like this man that meets his friend on the street, and we can say, I'll pray for you, we can say the right words, we can say blessings, but if we don't actually do anything to help the person who's hungry or who's in need or who needs a ride or whatever, then what good is all of our talk if it isn't backed up with our walk? What good is what we say if then we don't have anything to go along with it to actually help people. And I believe that it is so important that we as followers of Jesus Christ study the book of James and listen to the word of God as it challenges us to put our faith, what we say we believe, into action. This is so important not only for us because we need to be following Christ in the way that Christ wants us to follow him, You understand what I'm saying? We can't just say, oh, I follow Jesus Christ, and then we have our own list of rules or ideas or guidelines that we follow. We need to follow Jesus and what he said and what the Bible says and actually understand that that what we say, what we believe in our hearts, and what we do are all integrated together. 
it's not only important for us to be able to do that to truly honor and worship God, but it's important for us to do that so the world can see that God is real and that God loves them, so that the message of the gospel is confirmed, not just with our words, but with our actions. For you see, many people don't believe in God, and many people don't believe in the message of Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's we who speak about Jesus and who claim to follow him who get in the way of people understanding and believing in God and in Jesus Christ. There's a quote that actually was famous a few years ago by the Christian author Brennan Manning, and it sums up the feeling that many of us have towards this hypocrisy that we see exists in the church. Brennan Manning said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus Christ with their lips, but walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Friends, today I'm just asking you to let the Holy Spirit of God search your hearts. Have you been honoring Jesus Christ with your lips? That's the first and foremost thing. Have we been speaking in a way that honors God in our family, in our churches, in the places where we work, in our schools, in our studies, with our friends? And if we are, don't pat ourselves on the back just yet. Because we also need to live a lifestyle that matches those words. And are we truly living out our faith? It's so important that we do that. Because James goes on to say in verse 18, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. But not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, they fit together like hand and glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you'd done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that, but what good does it do to them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? That's really what it means when it says faith without works is dead. It means that if you separate the spirit from the body, then you just have a corpse. There's no life to the body. But again, if you're just spirit, you don't have a body, then you're not really engaged in this world. You see, we need our spirits and our bodies together to truly be alive. Same is true when it comes to our faith. We need our faith and we need our works. They need to come together to show that we are truly alive in Christ. This does not mean that we are saved by works. Oh, no, friends, it doesn't. You cannot do anything to earn God's favor, mercy, or grace. He freely gives it to you. You cannot, in your own strength, work hard enough to earn your own salvation. But it is the gift of God. We always proclaim this. We must stand on that truth against whatever attacks from Christians or from the world come against that. But once we receive that salvation, that grace, that forgiveness, that Holy Spirit in our lives, we know that it does create in us a life that is both what we say, what we think, and what we do. For if you are not changing the way that you're living, if I'm not changing the things that I do and the things that I say, then how do I know that the Holy Spirit is truly in me? Because the Holy Spirit, being the third person of the Trinity, being God, will change me often from the inside out, but sometimes as I begin to work in the ways of the Spirit, it can even change me from the outside in. What do I mean about that? I mean that if I'm about the work of God, if I'm taking care of the poor and the needy, then God can even use those experiences to change my heart so that it works both ways. 
My heart can also be changed by the word of God, by preaching, by being convicted of something. And then when my heart's changed, I go out and I do something. I used to think when I was younger that I had to wait until my heart changed before I went out and did something. And so that's partially true, but I've also discovered that sometimes when I do things that maybe is not in my heart yet, but I do it in obedience to God's word and to the law of love, then I know that that obedience actually changes my heart as well. So um, faith and obedience, works and faith, they go together hand in hand. They fit like a hand in a glove, like a body and a spirit can't be separated without killing both. You have to have, you have, to have both faith and works together in order to honor God and in order to follow God. You know, it's interesting that in this passage, James uses the example of helping someone uh, who is in need as an example of us living out our faith. And of course, Jesus talks so much about helping and caring for those who are in need as a way that we express our true faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle John puts it like this in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. He said, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, for too long, the church has proclaimed the love of God through our words and speech, but we have not shown it in our actions and in truth. And we need both. We need our words and our actions. We need our faith and we need a life that lives it out in the real world. So it's important that we help those who are in need. It's important that we serve others. Serving means that I help take care of another person or I seek what is best for that person or I help them achieve what God has called them to do. And all of us should be servants of Christ and servants of one another. You see, oftentimes when we are living out our faith, we don't even have to say anything at first. People will see the way we live, and then they'll ask questions. Well, why are you doing that? Why are you helping this person? Why are you serving? Why are things different about you? And then that opens up a perfect door of opportunity for us to say, it's because of what Jesus Christ did for me, and here's what Jesus Christ did for you, and here's what Jesus Christ did for the world. You see, we should be ready uh, to give an answer to the way that we live. But if we're not living in any way that, that catches someone's attention or makes a difference in the world, uh, then maybe uh, we need to take heed to the words of James uh, this morning. Uh, there's just a couple more things I want to get into, and I won't have a chance to go all the way into them in this one podcast, uh, but I do want to acknowledge that James goes on to give two examples of faith and works from the Hebrew Scriptures, from stories that people who were Jewish during his time would have understood. He says, first of all, beginning in James chapter 2, verse 21, Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works, that the works are works of faith? The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and it was set right with God, includes his action. It's that mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works.
So again, our faith in God is what saves us, but it can't be a barren faith. It has to be a faith that produces the fruit of works. Now, the story of Abraham and Isaac is an interesting one, and to be honest, somewhat difficult. God promised Abraham that he would have a son, and that through that son, he would bless him and make him into a great nation. And so Abraham is called the father of all of the Israelites, of all of the Jews. He is known affectionately as Father Abraham. But he was old, about 100 years old. His wife was old. They had no children. They weren't sure if this promise was going to come true. But when the promise finally came true in the way that God intended it with the son Isaac, born to Abraham's wife, Sarah, God came to Abraham and he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, and I want you to take him up on this mountain and I want you to offer him as a burnt sacrifice. Now that story is immediately offensive to our modern ears and understanding, and it sounds very cruel and unusual. But we need to remember that back in that time, several, several thousands of years ago, you know, human sacrifice was common among the religions, common among the worship of other gods. And so to Abraham, it didn't sound quite as strange as it sounds to us. But it still was a challenge. God was challenging Abraham to take the thing that was most precious to him and be willing to, to give it up, to sacrifice it. Now, Abraham exhibits a bit of faith in the story when he tells his son Isaac as they're heading out uh, with the wood to the place where they were going to worship the Lord together. And Isaac begins to get curious and says, well, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham tells him, Isaac, the Lord will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. Now, he may have been telling Isaac that because who wants to tell your kid that he's going to be the sacrifice? Uh, but it may be that Abraham also had some faith in what God was going to do, that he was beginning to understand that God that revealed himself to him, Yahweh, the one true God, was different than all of the other gods of the lands and the peoples around them. And of course, when the time came and Abraham was about ready to kill his son, the Lord intervened and he said, no, I've provided a sacrifice and he provided a ram for Abraham to sacrifice instead. Very strange story, and it's hard to understand the full implications of why God would test Abraham in such a way. And uh, certainly, uh, there's some more resources and things that we could look into to help us understand that. But at this moment, I just want to say this. God was asking Abraham to take that which was most precious to him and be willing to give it up in order to follow him. And sometimes that is our test of faith as well. God will ask us, what is the most important thing to us? Are we willing to sacrifice it? Are we willing to give it up to follow him? And the story, of course, shows us that God isn't talking about literally sacrificing or killing something, but he's talking about the willingness to not put anything in front of God or anything above God. James also goes on to use the example of Rahab, who was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. And when spies from Joshua, who was coming to invade Jericho, and the Israelites were going to attack that city and take it over, he sent spies in ahead, and the prostitute Rahab hid the spies and protected them, knowing that the God who was with these people was more powerful than her gods and more powerful than the city that she was a part of. So she showed honor to God by helping them and by showing belief in their God, and therefore was spared uh, when the attack came. Um, again, the stories of war and taking over of cities is difficult for us to understand in this time. Uh, but again, there are resources to help us understand uh, how we can look at these passages that are difficult. But the point again is that Rahab had faith that she believed in God. And I think sometimes even though we don't have all the answers, we need to remember that that faith in God is believing in God and trusting him and following him and doing what he says, even if we don't understand everything 100%. 
Because let's be honest, we won't understand 100% the ways of God, but God will always give us enough understanding that we can follow in obedience. And we can trust God from his examples throughout the Bible, through thousands of years of history, that he is a God who will restore and who will renew and who will love us and who will always do what is best for us. We can trust him, but we need to follow him. It's like the old song I grew up singing is so true. We need to trust and obey for there's no other way to live life. That's faith and that's works. Together, hand in glove, spirit and body, one and the same. We need to put our faith into action and then our faith becomes a true and living faith. May God bless you today as you seek to understand more of his word. And I pray that faith would grow in your hearts and I pray that your life would begin to be lived out in ways that bring glory to God the Father through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, His Son. Amen.